Welcome to the Waybox podcast. My name is Tally Rye. I'm a personal trainer and fitness influencer. And my name is Ben Foy, managing director and co-founder of Waybox, the brand behind the podcast. And this is your convenient way to get a deeper insight into your favorite influencers, the business of health and fitness, and the topics that we really believe matter. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. You can find us on all major podcast apps. And of course, let us know what you think on Instagram at the Waybox podcast. Today, we are chatting to a man who wants us to strip back in every sense of the word. He is a life coach, an entrepreneur, and the man behind the Instagram account, The Naked Professor. Welcome, Ben. Hello, Ben. <laughs> Hi there. Thank you so much for that. I do. Let's strip back. This is a, what a lovely way to put it. Was that, I wasn't... That was about right, was it? That's completely right. Okay, I hit the mark. Absolutely, Good. yeah. I use I use all that. This is exactly the analogies that I always use: strip back, bare soul, <laughs> all that stuff. Well, hence all the nakedness. Well, yeah, we'll get into that. We it's will a get nice into metaphor, that. Yeah. Um, so Ben, I know in some respects you have been a bit of a man of mystery in the past, haven't you? <laughs> I think like the, you're a bit mystical. If you if you follow Ben online, like you're often looking at. It, your back of you, yeah. like you're beh- literally you're behind, you're behind yes. in every sense of the word. Um, but we want to get to know you a bit and know more about your journey because um, what you say really resonates with me and I really love your message and um, I think it'd be really interesting to know and for our audience to know how you got to where you are now because I think it's been a journey. Am I right? <laughs> You're very right. Uh, I always laugh because I can't help but use the word journey, and it feels like I know, a cliche every so time. But it is, you know, it's the right word. There needs to be a, 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 a less cliched version of journey. I, I don't know. know what it is yet. Can we find that? Yeah. Um, but no, you're Ask right. It's on a postcard. Yeah, exactly. If anyone's got any ideas, I'd love to know. I need <laughs> yeah, please. it. Please. Um, um, so let's start at the beginning. Um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? What grew was... up in, in Brighton. Oh, or nice. Actually, we always say Hove, actually, because everyone says Brighton, but it's Hove. Yes. Um, which is like the neighbouring. It was once separate to Brighton, now they've mm-hmm. amalgamated. Yeah, yeah. Um, so by the sea, yeah, yeah. Um, and how long were you there for? Uh, all the way through from, from, from 0 to 18, and then I went to university in Birmingham, uh, studied there, and then and then went straight from there to London. So uh, one of my questions was, um, were you... Throughout your childhood and teenage years, were you the kind of guy who was just going with the flow, following the crowd and just doing like, even by you just saying like, yeah, I went to school, I went to uni, I went to London. That's like such a typical route for most people. Completely. Was that your, was your life plan just to, just do what is expected of me? Completely. I didn't know any better, you know, and and I didn't have the sort of capacity to go deep into myself at that stage Mm. through those years. I was just following the crowd, you know. Growing up, you have a natural inclination to fit in, to, mm. to, to, so you you do what's generally expected of you. Um, it's only I think as I got older and I started to get a bit more in touch with who I was, as opposed to who society expected me to be, that my path started to change. But yeah, the whole the whole time I was conforming all the way. What did you do at uni? Geography. Really? Yeah. Hence yeah. the big nature scenes yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what you think if you follow to that? yeah i was like <laughs> i was like thinking all those like great expanses of the sea yeah, very yeah. geographic well, there you go very, never thought that way finally, finally my degrees come to, come to you link. <laughs> <laughs> um then he's like i did human geography i'm like okay um I do, and actually. Then, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I did my research but i hadn't i hadn't quite gone delve that deep no, you wouldn't. just an educated guess yeah. absolutely um and then you went to the city 
And then I went to London. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't kind of, I had no idea what to do. Uh, and I had a 2-2 from in geography. It wasn't setting the world alight. I was mm. the same as so many others and, and kind of, but just everyone was going to London. So I went to yeah. London. It's a standard route, isn't it? School, uni, London. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so I was following the, following the crowd and, and that's where I ended up. And then had no idea and met a guy in a pub and had we had five pints and he offered me a job. Oh, really? What was the job? Six, it was working as a chartered surveyor. Nice. Um, yeah, I got introduced to him. Um, so there was it wasn't just hay in the yeah, pub yeah. randomly. But we did meet and, and um, I started off doing a month's um, cover for someone in the office and then I was there for six years. For six years? Yeah, yeah. And what was that time like in your life? How old were you when you started? started? 22 I guess 23 yeah um I was really lucky you know I was it was great it was it was a it was a it, the people were amazing it was a small team we got on brilliantly and I'm still in touch with some of those people mm. I worked with it was all men actually and uh we had a real there was a real nice sort of affinity between us all um at the same time there was just something inside me that was just a little bit a little bit empty it wasn't mm. being creative it was a brilliant opportunity for, for me I was always just driven to do something a bit more creative. I wanted to be a bit more in control of my destiny and to do something that I felt was kind of going for it a bit more rather than fitting into the, the office environment. Yeah, that, that lifestyle on the whole is, it has its perks, doesn't it? Because you've got a nice, good job. You're in London, which is a great city, loads of friends, so you're going out and all that sort of thing. But that is, generally speaking, you know, just quite an unfulfilling cycle to be in on the whole if you've got that little void there. It was for me, and I think we are all different. And and I, and I hear what you're saying. I just I had a real creative itch, yeah. and and what it did did provide is real security. You know, at the yeah. end of yeah, each month, financial, security. financial, absolutely. And you know, it gave me the opportunity to to go and travel and see places and uh, go out and have a good time, spending money. And it did give me that. But Monday to Friday, I just felt a bit like I wasn't really alive. Did you have an ultimate dream? Like, did you? Were you like? Deep down, there's this dream job inside of me where I do this. You're nodding. <laughs> I didn't have a dream job, but I had a dream vision that I wanted to be creative. I wanted to, to, to take control of my destiny and do something that made me feel alive. Did that have a, a kind of a tangible element to it or, or was there just a bit more sort of top-end philosophical? Did you know what you wanted to do? No, I didn't know. that was the problem. I had no yeah. idea. Okay, so you didn't know. No. You wanted more. I wanted more. But what mm. was more? Exactly. And, and then you've spoken about this feeling of emptiness. Yeah. Um, and you were in that job for six years. What was the moment when you decided that I've had enough? I want to find out what more is. I want to take that leap. I'm really glad you asked that question, actually, because it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating. But it came in 2009 when there was a, a financial crash. Mm. Uh, my salary halved as a result of the crash. And it was at that point, I think I was 28, if I've done my maths correctly, but roughly 28. And um, I was thinking to myself... The reason, most of the reason I was doing this job was because it paid me quite well and I could live a nice, nice life around mm. it. Suddenly the crash has come in, my salary's halved. Actually, what am I doing this for? Mm. I don't feel like, and at the age of 28, you're kind of making life decisions. If, you're in, if I'm in this for a few more years, I'm, I'm going to be maybe married with kids and mm. I'm going to be dependent on this, on this um, salary. Yeah. So at that point, that crash gave me the chance to say, actually, here's, here we go. I'm walking away from half a salary. Let's go and take the risk. Let's go and, and follow this feeling you've got inside of you and and see what's out there, see what you can do. Mm. Um, so I did, I just quit. I didn't have a plan. But I just, really? No. Um, I had a bit of, I saved some money from, from, from the job and I was just like, right, let's, let's, let's go and, and, and discover what's out there. And I, th I think that probably resonates with 
uh, I, I can't even put a percentage on it, but I would, I would hazard a guess at quite a large majority of people that they are trapped or locked in a job that they, they don't mind and they're pretty much doing it for that for that salary, really, mm. and they've got that little itch. And it's not like there's any deep yearning to do anything particularly different, but it just doesn't always feel right, I think. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think... Um, for me, that itch was just that bit stronger that meant I was willing to yeah. take the risk. You know, for a lot of people, the risk isn't necessarily worth worth it. They've got, especially if they're married, kids, house, yeah. mortgage, you know, there's a lot riding on it. And, and that risk suddenly becomes huge because there's loads of people dependent on them. Mm. I was I was single and had it was all on me. Mm. So I didn't have anyone else dependent on me. And that gave me the freedom. And it was a huge part of my opportunity. No one else was relying on me. Mm. So what did you do when you left? What did you do? did you travel? Did you No, it was all it was about it was a very it was a career move. It was all yeah. about what am I gonna do next? And and um so I went and did some 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 like work experience in different places and experience I went and tried in the city and um just nothing was kind of grabbing me and, and, and I was I was meeting people, I was active and a friend of mine had this concept and um uh, he had a bit sort of tech understanding and I had a few contacts and we were kind of talking about these different ideas and we pieced together this concept that six months later I found myself running a tech company, a tech startup, and without really <laughs> knowing it. Yeah. Um, and that took me into this sort of on this different journey. But it's kind of how it started from having lunch with a friend, mm. you know, and, and him having that same itch and going, right, there's got to be some stuff. We've got some 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 different ideas, but some we can match these together and some different yeah. skill sets and what can we do and uh and we started this company how long did you do that for that went for two or three years um it was hugely exciting but it wasn't the right time so it never got to the right place yeah and um, we worked with some incredible people um but it wasn't you know first venture into business actually often isn't you don't succeed mm. you know and, and but it shapes you and you learn so much and it's it's part of the next next steps that you take um, and it didn't prove to be a success, but it, it was amazingly exciting. And we, we, I felt proud of what we did. Yeah. It just didn't give us the financial reward, I guess, at the end of it. Yeah. Was it at this point as well that you started doing a bit of soul searching? Um, Roughly around that time. Yeah. So yeah. what made you start to dig a bit deeper inside yourself? Because now I'd say you're a deep guy. But before you said you, things were always pretty surface level. I would say I was as shallow as I came. Really? I, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, there was no depth at all. I didn't have any... Com I didn't know what depth was. Um, so, yeah, starting off on my own was a, was a bit of a trigger. I, I was reading more entrepreneurial blogs and books and mm. everyone kept talking about meditation and all these people I was, I was respecting and wanting to be like and kept hearing these themes. I was like, you know, if I'm going to go off on this adventure of trying to make business on my own then I need to make sure I'm a decent version of myself yeah. so I kind of opened my eyes a little bit to this concept of perhaps I could grow as a person but then really the biggest trigger for me was this and now we are going deep was this whole story of my, my sex life yeah. um, and that was the point where I was like okay I really am going to do something about myself here because this is showing up and I don't like it and mm. that was at 30 mm -hmm. um, and that was that I'd always have a, had a problem uh, around orgasm and it just didn't really happen most of the time and it had affected a few relationships mm. and at 30 I was kind of like don't really want that now there's enough problems finding someone I liked already and I want to have kids one day so mm. this isn't serving me and at 30 it feels like time to let's get to the bottom of this and I was about to say did you feel that like 30 like right I'm 30 I've got to do this um 
maybe subconsciously mm. I wasn't going around saying it but at that point and I don't know if I would have made the leap and, and started working with a coach if it hadn't happened by chance mm. like now of course there's some depth and I'd say the universe and everything else but yeah. a life coach came into my life by accident and went at a point when I was in that headspace of being open to to, to exploring and mm. um she was working with with my flatmate who was struggling with a rugby injury and I was like well hang on a minute if she's doing this stuff with him around rugby injuries what about you know I could see this as a similar kind of an injury perhaps or some mm. kind of you know and, and out of the blue I was like um you know can I have a chat after you've yeah, yeah. after you've worked with Ollie because something I want to talk to you about and she was like yeah cool and we chatted and she was like of course I can help you and then for the next few months we started working together and not once did we talk about sex or anything else we just literally were unraveling how my brain was working and mm. I was suddenly learning that my brain wasn't working in a way that was very conducive towards a, a better version of myself and it was really restricting me so it was, it was almost uh, you know like therapy as opposed to life coaching in that early stage of those conversations yeah, yeah. and I don't know the, the the specific difference I probably should know between therapy and coaching therapy yeah. probably goes a bit deeper into sort of childhood and a lot of that yeah. kind of stuff and but, I'd, I'd imagine at the end of the day, it's just the degree or the discipline that the other person has. But fundamentally, yeah. if you're talking to someone about a it's problem, it's therapeutic anyway, mm. just by the nature of it, whether they've got a de de degree in clinical psychology or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, it, what I mean, it was therapy, it was coaching. It was kind of, I didn't really deem it anything, but I knew it was helping. Yeah, yeah. What was it like to be open with yourself and with a stranger for the first time? I remember I was petrified to just to say what the problem was in the first place and feeling really awkward. Mm. This is a bit really, and I really teed it up for her. I was very soft. I was like, this is a real awkward one. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure what you're going to make of this. But yeah. um, anyway, here kind of goes. It's a bit of a funny situation. But And I really, you know, it's very <laughs> difficult to get it out. And, and obviously now it just pours out at any opportunity. Mm. Give me a little inch and I'll give you everything. Um, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a strange feeling. But the, the, the weirdest thing of all as, as, as a man was this um, acceptance that I was have, needing someone else's help to get better. Yes. You know, that was, the, that was the challenge. That is a barrier. Yeah. Um, I personally have worked with a life coach this year, and it's Brilliant. been huge for me, particularly professionally, and it's really made me understand myself and everything. And I think um, my boyfriend started working with the same guy. Amazing. But that was a... That was a what that that seed was planted a long time before it came to fruition. Like the idea of needing help. Yeah. He felt he failed. When you ask for help, it means you failed on your own and you can't do it. Yeah. Um, why do we think that then? <laughs> I think I think it's uh, it's kind of a I should be able to figure this out for myself. Like I, you know, I'm a man. I can do this on my own. I I, I don't need anyone else's help. Like I've got the answers to this somewhere. Mm. And it, and then and then often you, if you don't it for one problem you apply the same process to another problem before you know it you've got four or five different problems or issues or whatever that are all just wedged into this one little compartment causing you know whatever kind of effects yeah i think that's the reason potentially and i'd agree i'd agree i don't know what it is i guess it's ego fundamentally mm. you know yeah, yeah. And, and it's this perception of what a man is yeah that it is weak to look for help. Yeah. And no man wants to be weak. Mm. Um, but when I switch that now, the way I look at it is very much none of us are perfect. Not one person out there is perfect. So we can, we've can we all got capacity to grow. The sooner we're willing to admit that and mm. accept it, uh, the better position, we, or the more likelihood is we can actually grow. 
Hmm. And how easy was it for you to find your values and beliefs? Like, how easy was that to tap into? Because um, that's kind of at the core of like life coaching, isn't it? Really, it's like finding out what makes you tick. What do you? What are like your your passions? Like, what what are your non negotiables? Hard, hard. Yeah. I had, mainly because I was starting from zero. I had not a clue. You know, my I thought when I first started working with a coach that my values, my priorities, the things that made me tick were sleeping with women, going partying, earning money, uh, and probably winning at stuff. Mm. That was my that was that, that was defining me. That stuff. What um, What are they now? No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not at all. Um, fundamentally, everything I do in my life now is to make myself feel proud of who I am. Yeah. And that involves helping others, um, uh, being authentic, sharing my heart, um, doing things. That, so there's, there's, fundamentally, it's it's about living in my heart for me, not my head. So my head is my ego. So it chases short-term gratification, things that make me happy in an instant. My heart chases things that will make me feel like a better person over a length of time. Um, that right there is a bomb. Mm, you need to write that down. Stick it on your fridge. Remember it. I think that's quite a gender fluid thing as well. I Absolutely. Think, I think that is a very, Absolutely. That is just a very first world kind of issue that everyone's doing something that they're not mm. always truly happy with. And yeah, it's not going with the heart. It's going with the, uh, the head most of the time, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's the, the I'm just, I'm doing a, a more and more speaking and, and I've got this talk that I'm, I'm about to sort of start pushing, which is talking about why happiness isn't the answer. Because the world goes around chasing happiness and we think happiness is, is the key to everything. And that's, for me, is, is all the stuff that comes in your head. You know, I, I always use the analogy of when I eat a tub of ice cream, I am happy. You know, mm. it feels great. This is delicious. Absolutely loving it. Finish the ice cream. Yeah, happiness is gone. There's nothing about me that's proud about eating that ice cream. The emotion is completely temporary. Yeah. Um, so happiness is, for me is not the answer. It's all about fulfillment, which is a far deeper rooted sense of pride in who you are and the way your life is going. I can't remember what I, it was. Something I read or listened to recently that was saying happiness is more of an activity than a state these days. Completely. So we've got to try and find a state that's not happiness because you're not always going to be happy. So I think it necessarily referred to balance really more than anything. That sort of topical word that that if you can find balance, it might be linked to Buddhism or something. But if you can find that balance, then you're in more of a, a control state because happiness ultimately is just an activity completely and i think the thing with fulfillment is that fulfillment allows you to be happy for no reason yeah, yeah. which is the, the, yeah. the beautiful goal that i think we would all love to get to you know you're just in a happy state because you're fulfilled yeah, you internally just, you know, you're just chilled that. whatever you're doing mm. you're just content, content. yeah mm. <laughs> that's it mm. and i think so much of society sorry telly so much of society where we're going so wrong is that everything is about happiness and we say it all the time yeah, you know yeah. we always talk about happiness are you happy you know everyone just wants mm. to be happy 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 and when we're not happy shit i need to do something yeah, it makes yeah, me happy yeah. where's quick, that ice cream where's that fix, party yeah quick fix, quick where's fix the, all, the time, yeah. all the stuff that i was chasing where's the paycheck where's the promotion where's the new car or the bigger house all that stuff that'll make me happy and just doesn't last long so then we slump back and we need to get more happy again and we go chasing it again i think that's so interesting because mm. i often i I promote like the kind of my personal message that I'm always like, I just want you to be happy and feel happy. Not be happy, I want you to feel happy. Mm. And I think um, I, I'm really interested about this idea of 
it's not happiness, it's fulfillment. Yeah. And it's mm. it's feeling satisfied and content and it's it's not that happiness. Um and that's really challenged my thinking. So thank you, because that's mm. I think that's a really interesting um way to view it and I think the right way to view it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a massive part of my message. It's, mm. it's exactly where I'm I'm I it took a long time going back to your original question about mm. values. You know, this isn't something that one day you wake up and go, oh, actually, it's this. For whatever reason, there's so much complication. Our brain is working an overdrive all the time, all this stuff. Da, 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 da. It, it takes a long time to, to, to process a lot of this, these kind of changes in, in our mindset. Um, but it's a massive, you know, my life changed when I started. I stopped trying to please other people egotistically and started to please myself and make myself proud. That was a massive moment. I love that because that's once again going back to myself (laughs) (laughs) i know (laughs) but i i feel like that's what this year has been for me it's like stop trying to do what i think i should do or say the things that will please people and actually say what i actually think and believe and mean and i feel so much i want to say happier i want to say i'm happy i'm I'm, i feel happier but i'm fulfilled (laughs) i'm so fulfilled right now with what i'm doing because i know i'm staying true to my values and I'm staying true to myself Um, and I think it's so hard to stay true to yourself particularly on social media (laughs) because it's a fickle world out there it is Um, and I think uh, yeah it's 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 hard and I think even if you're an influencer or not an influencer and and I will ask you Ben as someone who (laughs) who has no influence no you do you (laughs) do but like um, no matter what if you state an opinion online even if it's just a tweet a tweet and you're like a relative like a super small account if people don't agree with you there's going to be backlash there's yeah. We at, we get these like instant back and forth, so you, it's so easy to say what you think is the right thing to say rather than what you actually believe. Completely. And sticking your neck out, I think, is becoming more and more rare. Yeah, completely. Um, <laughs> we 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 want to conform. That's we do. The, like everything. So much of of what we do is about safety. Yeah. We want to be safe, and conformity is is safe. Uh, but for me, that's not fulfilling. Can we talk about vulnerability? Yes. Um, because I think it's a fascinating topic. Um, I saw an article where you, or I saw something where you mentioned Brene Brown, who is the top researcher in this field on vulnerability. If you haven't seen her TED Talk, where have you been? <laughs> she is amazing. Um, and I want to know what your thoughts are on vulnerability and vulnerability in men. We had a chat about this before we started recording today, but I want to know... Your thoughts about, yeah, that topic? Uh, firstly, Brené Brown, just really quickly. She, I mean, I have her on repeat. The Power of Vulnerability, she's got an audio book, and I just listen to it continually, and you can just pick it up at any point. She's incredible around all this. Uh, and she's been a much, huge amount of my inspiration around vulnerability. And I think where I'll start is say that almost the word vulnerability almost needs a rebrand for me. Because if you say to any person in the street from nothing, do you want to be, would you like to be vulnerable? Invariably, the answer is no. Who wants to be who wants to be vulnerable? And our perception is vulnerability is not a good thing on that yeah. basis. Do you think that comes? I think people associate vulnerability, like you said, with the fear of being attacked in yeah, some way. Yeah, it's open to those connotations, isn't it? Because if you're a vulnerable person, you know you are susceptible to mm. being taken advantage of or attacked or whatever the mm. you know the, the, the format is. So. But I think we're thinking of like physically vulnerable yeah, rather than yeah. emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. 
totally. But then even then, does it, do people want to be emotionally vulnerable? You know, generally, yeah. no, people don't. The, 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 and it, this is just, and I and I say the answer actually is yes, the, the, they should do. But the, the initial yeah. perception is this word vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable. Mm. You know? it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because the, the generally speaking, like the world is a, it's a, it's a tough old place. So people have to develop uh, a thick exterior, um, physically, mentally, whatever, all those things into one. And so to be vulnerable, you're almost foregoing what the world's designing you to be, if that's not completely. a bit too deep. Really. No, no, completely. And, and it also it goes back to what I was saying before, is fundamentally our brain is there to keep us safe. Yeah. The opposite of safety is vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to go to that vulnerable place. It's not so our brain won't lead us that direction. So how do you kind of battle that um, in, internal fight or flight mechanism to just become a fulfilled and be a little bit more vulnerable when you need to be? Is it? Is it? Well, so for me, vulnerability is just about being real. Yeah. Um, uh, because none of us are perfect. Going yeah. back to this. Uh, so, but it, uh, when we're trying to be perfect, we're not showing our real selves. Um, and almost, the, you know, Brené Brown talks about being cool. You know, being cool is the opposite of vulnerability. Mm. Uh, being cool is not authentic. Um, so vulnerability just comes when you actually become at peace with yourself and say, hey, I'm not perfect, just like you and you and anyone else in this world. We've all got our things. I'm going to learn to just be accepting. Actually, I'm okay with that space rather than just try and present this perception of myself that I'm infallible and I've got it, all my shit together and mm. there's no problems going on over here. Uh, the, the danger with that, and this is what the key part is, is that when we bury those issues or, or anything that any vulnerabilities that we might have, they just stay there and they eat away at us and mm. they'll show up in the form of anxiety or depression uh, or emptiness or for me, you know, perhaps around the whole sex thing. I don't know, perhaps that was part of it. Um, Whereas when we become comfortable with it and we, we, we release the shame, we're able to, to be okay with it and, hey, yeah, this is me, I'm not perfect, I've got this, that's cool. Uh, it, it goes away. You know, that, that, that sense is no longer in there, eating away at you. I just want to repeat something you said because you said it a bit quickly. Sorry. But you said, um, release the shame. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point is you have to let go of the, sh the yeah, that shame you feel when you feel like you're being open? The nature of shame, shame is only shame if you can't share it. Mm. Shame is buried within you. Your shame, I can't talk about it. I've mm. got too much shame. As soon as you talk about it, and then it's no longer shame. Mm. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, um, when, you show your, when you show your vulnerabilities, no one can hold them against you. Mm. Um, and do you know what, um, another Brené Brown quote, I was listening, she did a podcast with Oprah. I love, she's done many podcasts with Oprah, but yeah. I do love an Oprah. And she, they said in uh, that, and I, I was listening to it recently, it was vulnerability is the cornerstone of confidence. Completely. And that is something I took with me. And that was like, that was the big takeaway of that podcast. Like vulnerability is the cornerstone of confidence. Um, and I think by being yourself, being open and honest, you have the confidence to be you, to say what you think, to act how you want to act. Completely. It, it, vulnerability is the cornerstone of so many positive mm. things, uh, including confidence. You know, the really confident person is the one who can admit they're not perfect. Mm. Yeah. The one who is 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 has got all sorts going on and perhaps is deeply insecure is the one who's too vulnerable in reality to actually share anything because they can't take the 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 the, the judgment. Mm. Oh my! People's opinions will have so much effect on them that they're scared. They can't let anyone into that space. It will have mm. too much impact. When you're truly confident. 
I don't give a shit what you say about yeah. me. I've, I've got it. I know. Yeah. I know myself. I know that I'm not perfect. Go for it, and, yeah. and that's your judgment, and that's cool, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, you know, bring so it actually, on. Actually, even though we've we've already said that vulnerable strikes fear, it's actually strength. Massively. Like you, it's it's almost like a different type of armor. It's like an invisible shield that you have because you're like, you're not going to get me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've already given you it. So you can't get me anymore. Because I'm not it. hiding anything. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. That is exactly mm. it. And it, and that is hugely liberating, uh, empowering. It gives you massive freedom. It allows you to be authentic. Um, all these things that are, are massive power words in, in becoming who your, your true sort of powerful self opens all those doors. So... From this point, obviously, I think we can, it's quite easy to establish that you became a life coach. Yes. Well, I actually studied to, to, to yeah. you know, I, I, I noticed my own benefits in, in the mm. work that I did with a coach. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Um, uh, this is a space I'm so fascinated in, having experienced it all myself. Mm. Amazing. First-hand experience. Um, but then I didn't do anything with it for a while because I carried on working in this tech space and there were opportunities and things were happening. Um, and then it was only when I, the, the challenges arose in the tech space. Again, I, I talked about the economic crash in 2009. Well, the challenges I had in my tech space, um, which were really challenging, and I had a lot of investors with a lot of money in my company, and I felt a lot of um, obligation. I wanted to fulfill them. Um, and the challenge became a huge weight on my shoulders. This is really not a nice place to be in. Mm. And I felt it was out of my hands because I had tech partners who were building the stuff, and I couldn't build it. So I felt very, very anxious. And that led me to a place of desperation, really, where I was like, I need to take a grip of my life. I need to, to, to have something about me that I'm not reliant on these tech guys. And that led me to start my blog. Um, the Naked Professor. Mm. The Naked Professor. Why The Naked Professor? Well, The Naked Coach, I'm a coach. The Naked Coach <laughs> could, sound, could, could take me anywhere. Yeah. Professor's a bit more... And it's just, it has some authority to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I need to do is become an actual professor and then it's okay. Um, but, I yeah, know, because originally I was like... Hang on, professor. So, what's yeah, his yeah, degree? Yeah, what's yeah, the yeah, yeah. Who's this yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we've established I'm a fraud, really. Yeah. I'm not naked and I'm not a professor. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're fully clothed right now. Yeah, 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 exactly. But no, the whole naked aspect was, was I guess that's where the sort of the power lies. Professor is a bit of a play on words. And, you know, I, I like to, to, to write as if I'm a professor, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the naked aspect is, was, was, yeah, I guess everything we've talked about, yeah. being naked, vulnerable, open, exposed, bare, raw, everything mm. real. You do you know? think it just is the visual, it's the visual behind what you're trying to do, you know? It, do you know what it is? That that for that aspect, that yes, it's empowering my message and yes, it's 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 telling part of my story and it's representing my 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 message in a in a visual manner that can capture people's attention. But really these days, you know, if you, if you want to do something exceptional, you've got to do something unique and different. Um and I, I wasn't, you know, I've, I've always had a drive to be creative, do something mm. exceptional. And it took me to, to that place where I'd get those pictures and it would really, like, that was beyond, that's not normal. Mm. You know, it, it differentiated me and it, it would capture attention and, and people might end up reading my message because they see this yeah. crazy picture. Yeah. Do you consider the naked professor to be like an alter ego? Um... 
Well, but he doesn't ever speak or do it. All he does is stand naked. Yeah. So mm. kind of, he's a kind of a silhouette. And I guess I'm talking yeah. as in him. So yeah, I guess yeah. he is an alter ego. <laughs> um, he's your Sasha Fierce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's my nowhere near as funny Sasha Fierce. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just a silhouette, really. Um, yeah, I, I don't want there to be an alter ego because that's kind of against my message. Well, I was, do you know what I mean? So I was going to play devil's advocate and say yeah. it must be hard because I think... Um, like looking back on your social media and stuff like you're a lot more you your face you're actually just talking a lot more and I think before it was like these silhouette images of your back and your butt and everything and yeah. we saw these amazing pictures and I think um like like I said like it was a I think perhaps it could have been confusing of like is this an alter ego but I actually don't know anything about you but you want me to be vulnerable but now you are 100% being you Completely. And that was part of my challenge. And when mm. I was showing these pictures, I was like, I don't know, there was a part of me that was kind of enjoying the mysterious aspect. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, people didn't know. And But at the same time, it was really contradictory to my message, which was, you know, show up, mm. be vulnerable. You know, so, um, and there was me hiding away. No one knew who I was. Didn't make sense. So um, I knew I had to transition it. But I, it, was a, it was a strange experience, actually. The first time I posted a picture where I wasn't naked gave me massive fear. You know, really? That's, yeah, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Um, you find it easier to be naked? Well, no, just on my blog. Yeah. <laughs> not actually in real life, but you know, everyone had grown accustomed <laughs> to this image of this naked guy. I was like, well, how are they going to react if I've actually got clothes on? Mm. Is anyone going to be interested? Kind of thing. So that was a difficult. I was like, people are still going to accept and still going to read my message if I haven't got this image. Mm. That was a challenge for me. Um, and I, I've just, over the last few months, just thought, but sorry, go back. At the same time, if I want to be a, a coach and, and be taken seriously and, and to share this message properly, yeah. you can't be walking around naked the whole time. No. People know? are going to think that actually this, we're going to a nudist beach today for our session. and Completely. Da, da, da. Exactly. So I think it provides a nice, uh, it provides a nice symbolic logo for, mm. for what you stand for. But yeah, I get you probably do need to put your kit on every now and then. <laughs> so you, you guys work- will be glad that I do sometimes. <laughs> so you're working with clients one-to-one Yeah. Uh, now? Yeah, and I, and I haven't really pushed that, um, but that is that that is my future. Um, uh, coaching, public speaking, you know, sharing this message, I'm so passionate about it. I'm sure you, you kind of, I'm passionate about trying to particularly get men to, to open up and share. Mm. So coaching with men but with women as well this isn't exclusively yeah you know this, this is a mental health aspect helping people to get their mm. their minds working as well as they can i guess being a man and being on the journey i've, I've been on and, and knowing how many men need that there's a bit of an affinity there but can we cool. talk about male body image yeah obviously because you are naked and stuff so i'm presuming you're pretty at ease with yourself um <laughs> but men have been traditionally less vocal about it um and we've done a podcast before with the three dumbbells and we, yeah, sp- yeah, and we yeah. spoke about this <clears throat> but even then <laughs> i wanted more i wanted i wanted you guys to just let rip a little bit more mm. about your feelings about that kind of stuff um but i just don't think ugh, i'm making assumptions because those were four men out of the how many billions of people on the planet mm-hmm. but i just don't think there's the same like dictionary there's not the same um vocabulary um, that I find that we as women use to talk about body image that men feel comfortable using. I think it's almost like you don't know quite know how to communicate it. I think it's as well. yeah, yeah. I think with um, with guys, it, it it becomes very much black and white. It's like 
good rig not a good rig it's literally it's pretty much as that like in shape not in shape standard as that kind of but i think well <laughs> you say that but um this year they've reported more the the rise in boys and teenagers and men um with eating disorders has yeah. hugely yeah. risen um like bigorexia is a thing this constant pursuit of getting bigger muscles mm. bigger bodies huge amounts of body dysmorphia within a gym setting i know that because i i see it firsthand yeah. um and it's there's starting to be more research on it but could this be avoided if men were able to talk about it or be more vulnerable what do you what are you what are your thoughts on it? i read a really fantastic blog post you wrote, you wrote about body image so i really wanted to talk to you about that um which one was that can I ask? It was called Body Image. What you thought about Body Image? <laughs> Probably should know, shouldn't I? It was really um, it was no, I've written, I've written a couple, that's why I asked. There was one I wrote about my own story, because my own story absolutely started from a place of being, I was a skinny guy, mm. you know, I played rugby and it didn't really work, you know, I wanted to be We should say show. that Ben is a tall guy, yeah, you're, you're and with what, that, I'm sure, six, six. I'm sure with that yeah. comes like a super fast metabolism, yes. very like long, lean limbs. Yes. Yeah, that's your body type yeah. through and through. Yeah, and I'm naturally very skinny, you know, and that's mm. my dad's shape. And yeah, I, that's I'm, your genetics. It's my genetics, and I didn't like it growing up, especially this whole rugby, you know. Did you, I, I'm oh, yeah. looking at you when you played <laughs> rugby as well. I did, yeah. We've yeah, got two Bens in the room. <laughs> Waybox Ben, rugby lad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it doesn't, yeah, you're not you're not fitting in as a skinny guy playing rugby. And that was my, but I, I was quite good at rugby, but I was just very skinny. Mm. So my, and I felt the answer to a lot of my internal confidence or lack of self-esteem, lack of self-worth, however you want to phrase it, um, was to go and get in the gym. And I know I'll get some muscles and then people, I'll get some validation. People look at me a bit differently. Mm. Um, Which men and women both think because, yeah, don't worry, us girls, that's why we go on diets. That's why we go and do all this stuff to try mm. and feel accepted. But you did, see, I think guys there's that macho stuff that yeah. you you know muscles bring you a bit of macho you, you everyone you, you want to be the king of the tribe almost it's mm. like yes. and the bigger muscles you've got it's almost the more chance you've got of being that king i guess still, um, still got that alpha thing about it you mm, can see in gyms now like just like sort of ego lifting and things like that because guys just want to be massive yeah for some reason <sighs> yeah. yeah ego isn't it and it's, yeah. it's to be is it i'm be bigger than you is it to be i'm bigger i'm stronger more women will find me attractive. More of a man. Like, I am going to be the ultimate alpha male. Yeah, it's all those things, I, I think. Reckon, yeah, I reckon yeah. there's a lot of that. And do you feel pressure from um, things like Love Island and, I don't know, um, just traditional, like, the huge heroes in all the, like, Marvel movies where everyone's, like, ripped and strong and, like, there's the new Rocky movie out. Like, are you feeling pressure from that? Would you have felt pressure from that in the past? I probably would have felt pressure. I probably, I don't know if it was so much of that kind of stuff for me. It was more just wanting to be kind of the lad in the rugby changing room and, mm. and you know, walking out into the rugby pitch and the opposition going, yeah. oh, he's a big, strong yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was kind of yeah. my driver. Mm. Um, it was all external validation, but um, I, wanted to, I, wanted the, I wanted validation myself. I wanted people to look at me and perceive myself that way. Yeah. And you still work out. Because I didn't out. have it myself. Yeah. That's why. And so for you... I mean, I think it's obvious the key to your confidence was finding yourself. Yes. How has that affected your relationship with your body now and with with training and all that kind of stuff? So the, the training, so that phase of my life, the late late teens and, and the training, that got me superficial confidence. I could, I, the analogy I was actually, I, I could at that stage walk into a room and think that I was better than some of the people in there because I was more muscular and more of a man. Uh, now... I talk about confidence in a way. Real confidence is walking into a room, not thinking you're better than anyone, but not caring 
or not yes. trying to just being you. Yeah. Um, so now my, my, my relationship to exercise and, and muscles or whatever else you want to call it is just for my own pride in the person that I am, that I challenge myself and I exercise and I train because I like it and it's healthy mm. and I feel good for doing it. Mm. But there's always going to be someone in the gym standing next to me with big muscles, it's always, you know, wherever I go. And that is no problem, to, really is no problem to me. Would um, you say now you're training from a place of self-care and self-love because, you know, that it makes you feel good, you know, that it gives you energy, it's going to help you perform better every day rather than... I need to look like this to be accepted, to fit in, to be liked. Completely. And and exactly that. I do it for myself, entirely mm-hmm. for myself. I really do. Um, the reason I know that is because back in the day, if I met someone who was bigger than me, I was who was unimpressed by my physique, then I was immediately intimidated. I felt on really? the back foot and I would shrink. Mm-hmm. Um, now it doesn't bother me whether they're six foot ten and massive or five foot five and tiny. I, it's the same. It really is the same person. Um, there's no competition and there's no I'm bigger or smaller or anything else than you. It's like, I'm hey, me you have a body, you. I've got a body. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're that's doing your so thing refreshing. and I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And that's great. As long as you, I want, what I want and what you feel, I think, people is that they're enjoying their thing. Yeah. That That's what I want from people is, is I think, um, you know, they're, 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 they're sitting at home and they're going, I really want that body and they're never doing anything about it and because then they've lost the relationship with themselves. Mm. You know, if that's a real value to them and they really do believe that's really important to them and then they're not prepared to back it up in their actions, then mm. I don't think that's a healthy... That will sit negatively inside of them. They, they, they're not in love with themselves because mm. they're not following their values. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I really believe that. Um, I think there's so many reasons why people have barriers to exercise and all that kind of stuff. But I think when you when you know yourself and you understand yourself and you've taken the time to understand what your beliefs and values are and you build your self-esteem, you believe you are worthy of looking after. And the way you look after yourself is different than the way I look after myself and the way we all look after ourselves. That might just be making sure you get enough sleep every night. It's making sure that you um, get uh, two hours every week to read a book. It might be setting aside time for your version of self-care. Um, for me, I really love exercise as a form of self-care. It's a, it's a genuine escape for me. Um, and I think when people are, are you know fulfilled within themselves I wanted to say happy (laughs) then they will make the positive choices for themselves because they believe they're worthy of them and they they want to do those things so I think I think we have a responsibility personally I think like both of us do and I think I I know you're doing it clearly like it's building people's self-esteem and worth and getting them in touch with themselves and that's the key to helping people on their journey to be their healthiest best selves um, and it's not shaming people into doing stuff. It's positively encouraging people to look after themselves. Completely. That's, you, you've nailed it all. I, I, I don't really have anything to add. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> nice one, Sally. <laughs> well, I'm out of a job. You go, no, 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 no. Before you go, because I, I am going to round this up, but I want to know what three tips you have for, because I think this is, well, this is really easy for, for you and I to sit here as people who have done life coaching and who like to look at self-development stuff and that we're really in that headspace. But what do you do if this is all new to you? You're wanting to like dip your toe into being vulnerable. You're wanting to dip your toe into exploring what you actually believe in. 
do you have like three simple things that can get you started? I think it all, the first place to start for everyone is, is self-awareness. Um, awareness is the first stage of change. So you're never going to change unless you become aware. And that self-awareness comes from a deep honesty mm. as to how, you, how do you really feel? Not what does everyone think of you? How do you really feel? Um, when you can look at how you really feel and try and work out why you feel that way, then perhaps you can start saying, right, I'm, I'm, I'm not living in that way anymore. It's not mm. working for me. I'm going to, then you can start to make change. Perhaps, you know, I need to exercise or I need to stop eating that food or I want to start doing, playing my guitar again because I miss mm. that creative aspect or whatever it is, these mm. different things, having that honesty that right now I'm not in my best place and I'm going to be honest with myself to, to, to be vulnerable enough to say there's change in me and I'm going to go through the difficulty of change. Tony Robbins always talks about how the pain of change, sorry, the, the change only happens when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. Yeah. Because it's difficult to change. It is. You know, it's easy to just keep going in the same mm. way. So you've got to be honest with yourself. And this is, there's change in me. You know, mm. I'm not totally fulfilled in some of these spaces. So I'm going to recognize that, have the vulnerability to say I'm not perfect, and then open the doors to change. Uh, change won't happen without that. Um, that's quite a deep one to start with, isn't it? It, is. it was. It was. It was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was <laughs> yeah, it was great. Self awareness, in summary, yeah. I yeah. guess. Um, then, I, I mean, a massive thing for all of it for me on on, on this whole journey is is starting to understand this voice in your head. Um, mm. We get really caught up with the, with the, the battle we have in our head, the conversation and the negative chatter, and huge part of of change for me and that was understanding this this thing called the negative bias which uh is that our our brain or our mind whatever you want to call it is fundamentally set up to keep us safe mm. and and how it keeps us safe is it focuses on our challenges and our threats and our difficulties um and it does that by shouting at us loudly about things that are in our way uh because it wants us to find a path around it yeah and and so it will remind us of that we've got to do something about this da, 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 da. um so just understanding that our head is geared towards that. And if we continually follow our head, I talked earlier about being more in my heart and less in my head, if we continually to follow our head and this negative chit- chitter-chatter, then there's every chance that we'll be living with anxiety or you know depression or mm. difficult emptiness, whatever it is, in this negative state. So just being able to understand our brain is set up that way, we don't need to focus on the, on the challenges and threats that it's throwing at us, have a mm. bit of perspective that it's just trying to keep us safe. Um, that's a massive one for me. Because um, I think a lot of people come overly associated with a voice in their head. I thought, I keep hearing this and this and this. Mm. Shit, I must be in a bad place, or it's making me really anxious. And mm. you know, and it's actually we can let that go a little bit. Meditation is something. I know it's not easy to get into meditation, but that but is even one with way. Like the Headspace app or something, yeah. it's a great intro to that. It is, yeah, yeah. I I think it does a slightly different job. That for mm. me, I mean that. There are different. I I I believe I was meditating in some form when I was exercising a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely was connecting a bit more to myself. Things would come up. Why am I doing that? You know, that's mm. not. I don't want to do. That. Start mm. to just. I don't know why when I was exercising. Maybe I was just becoming very present, just a bit more aware of my yeah. emotions. I don't know, but there are different ways to meditate. You know, just becoming more connected and and um, feel just feel a bit more of what's inside. Um, mm. I like that because I'm not good at that. Sit still, no, close your eyes, not ten minute are. thing. I can't do it. Mm. No, I've tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then the third thing, I guess, go following on from that is, is gratitude. You know, if, if we've got yes. this negative voice in our head always telling us about difficulties and challenges, you know, these thoughts will filter through into our body and create negative energy. Mm. Um, is, is trying to flip that. 
and and to, to continually actually pay attention to being thankful and grateful for everything that we do have. You know, there mm. is, living in this country, the opportunities that we have, particularly if we're going to play this comparison game, mm. uh, we are so lucky against so many people in the world. And let's face it, so many people with so much less than us who are much happier, let's mm. say, or fulfilled. Um, so we've got to take a grip of that. And we've got to say, actually, although I'm down in the dumps about this, generally speaking, the opportunity I have in my life is amazing. And I need to give more thanks and more um, clarity myself to, mm. to everything that I do have and focus my energy towards that rather yeah. than dwell on the difficulty and challenge I've got. And they say with anything, physically writing, journaling, writing gratitude lists, like that actually gets out your brain onto a piece of paper. That's said to be one of the most effective forms, most like cathartic yeah, ways yeah. to express gratitude. It's not just to like have a fleeting thought, write it down, visualize it, look at it, read it. Yeah, it's one um, of the benefits of journaling. Keep reading it, it back, yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Um, and are there any um, books or podcasts, I know we've mentioned a couple in here, like that you recommend that have been key for you? You spoke about Brené Brown's... Brené Brown um, is... is you know, power she, of vulnerability. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, I kind of, without sounding too patronising now, the books that I'm reading are kind of go a bit deeper now and mm. they're not necessarily starting places. Um, but Daring Greatly for, for Brené Brown is a... I've actually just got that through from Amazon. <laughs> have you? Yes. It's amazing. That's, that's my a, next read. That's a great start. And the whole quote, if you want to... If, if, check out the quote, um, The Man in the Arena. Uh, for anyone who's listening because that that's the, the basis of her book and it's yeah. basically saying don't be one of those people sitting on the sofa criticising other people for trying mm. uh, actually appreciate the people who are out there sort of sweating giving blood trying and their guts out and even if they're failing at least they're there giving it a go yeah. they're the ones who are succeeding because they're not prepared to just uh, waste away with the dead souls who have never tried and never failed you know, and in that quote is the is the word doing greatly, and that's what the book is based on. Oh, I can't wait to read it. It's mm. incredible. So that's a great, great starting place. And her TED Talk is on YouTube, and it's free, and it's like 20 minutes, and it's yeah. like she she's just a very lovable person. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's just got a great way about her. Yeah. Um. Okay, we're going to finish off. You have to th- complete three statements, okay. shall we call it. Okay, the biggest misconception about me is... <laughs> I'm a nudist. <laughs> that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a no then. I'm not On a occasion, no. only for the gram. Time and a place. Yeah. Exactly. Only for, for the, the gram. gram. Yeah. Exactly. If there is one thing I can use my platform to change, it would be. Um, probably male vulnerability. The, the power of vulnerability. To not to steal Brené's mm. line, um, but the power of vulnerability. How much more you can get out of life by being vulnerable. And my ultimate goal is to? Um, I would have said to write a book, but I think, touch wood, that's happening soon. Oh, so I need a new exclusive, one. Exclusive, Waybox Podcast <laughs> exclusive. Well, no, it's not confirmed. We, we, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, but so I think I need to adjust that because it, originally it was definitely like, hopefully I can write a book one day. Mm. Um, so my ultimate goal my ultimate goal is, is to be a leading, a leading man in, around vulnerability mm. and to help men embrace their vulnerability and to become a, a more authentic version of themselves. We need more men talking about this. Ben, it's been an absolute been awesome. pleasure. Oh, really good. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Um, we can't wait to hear what you think about it because uh, make sure you follow Ben. Where can we find you? 
Uh, it's pretty much Instagram, to be honest. And they yeah. do prefer us on Instagram. Um, He's the one there being naked. You'll find him. Yeah, you'll spot me easily. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Thank appreciate you. It. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It's lovely bye. to talk to you. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Waybox Podcast and tell us what you thought about today's episode. And make sure to keep an eye out on our social media as we want you to get involved with future episodes. Thanks. <laughs>